Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, post-match. Novak Djokovic versus Andre Rublev, Wimbledon 2023 quarterfinals. If you're not here for spoilers, click off the video in three, two, one. No shock here, Djokovic advances, but he does so in four sets after Rublev took the first. It was a far more competitive match than what we've seen the last two times these two have taken the court against one another. Uh, the... Uh, two times ago was the end of last year at the ATP Finals, and then you can go back to earlier this year in January when they played at the Australian Open quarterfinal. And both of those were blowouts. This one was a lot less straightforward. We can get to why. We can get to uh, the, the adjustments that Novak made and the trends that he was able to reverse. And I think that starts with just Novak's baseline patterns, and I, I thought... Something he was doing to great effect, to great success against Rublev in the previous two meetings, kind of failed, kind of backfired on him, particularly in the first set of this one, where, you know, Novak, he likes to play through Rublev's forehand side. He likes to go at the strength of Rublev, and that accomplishes two things. It weakens the forehand strength by shutting down the runaround game. You move Rublev to the right where his forehand is not as good. If he's hitting his forehand from the ad side, his backhand side, that is where it's at its most dangerous. So you diminish the strength and you accentuate the weakness because you get Rublev moving. And that's ultimately the goal. He, he doesn't have a weak backhand by any means, but if you can get Rublev moving side to side, that's really the ideal. And that starts with ideally getting him on the run to his backhand and, and working from there. You want to move the ball around. And I thought that Djokovic was getting hurt very early on, going to Rublev's forehand because Andre's forehand was just that hot. And Novak, out of, you know, particularly out of his forehand cross court, was getting hurt, plain and simple. So I think he had to make a change and play through Rublev's backhand. I do want to mention just an example of this. If you look at the four-all game in the first set where Rublev ultimately got the break of serve, Djokovic had 40-30 in this game, and he took a forehand cross-court that Rublev absolutely punished down the line to force an error. And then on the break point, Djokovic took another forehand cross-court, and Rublev went back cross-court with tremendous depth and pace and precision and it drew a short ball and then Rublev was able to step inside the court and finish with his forehand inside out. 
So that's two big points at the very end of that very crucial game that kind of gave Rublev the opening. But I, I saw that quite a bit. Djokovic just trying to play through the forehand, and the forehand was too dangerous of Rublev. So he was he was paying the price for that. So uh, he started playing through the backhand more. In the second set, he got a lot of reward for that because Rublev's backhand was sloppy in the second set. A lot of unforced errors. But even when it improved, and it did, in the third set it got quite solid, Novak was still able to complete his goal a lot better of getting that change of direction in and get Andre moving. Because the backhand, the cross-court backhand of Rublev, or even the backhand on the line, it was a lot more playable. And it wasn't doing the damage that Rublev's forehand was doing. So then Djokovic could make that first change of direction with his backhand down the line. If you look at the backhand and backhand between Rublev and Djokovic, Andre really can't redirect nearly as well as Novak can redirect. So now he gets that first aggressive punch in. He's able to also go to the backhand drop shot down the line out of the backhand exchange, that cross court, which uh, I think is a, a primo pattern for Novak. And it didn't backfire. You know, the downfall of Djokovic playing through the backhand is Rublev can find the runaround forehands because of his positioning. If he's kind of positioned on the ad side, he's closer to being able to get that runaround. But that didn't happen. And on grass, that's not going to happen as much. It's much harder to run around your backhand on grass for two reasons. One, there's less time for you to get your feet in position. But two, you pay the price for leaving the open court on your forehand side. So you, you open yourself up to counterattack in a big way because of the speed of the court. On clay, if you are a team, if you are a Tsitsipas, if you are rude, if you are Nadal, you see these guys with reckless abandon, just run around whenever they can. Run around, run around, run around. Because they know they're so fast that they're going to be able to cover up that space to their forehand side. On, on grass, you got to be careful because you can't cover that space quite as well. And that's why it was, it was really the right play for Novak to start playing through the backhand. And we'll talk about that more. Uh, we'll talk about that in what I believe is the, the key point of the match, which was 5-4 in the third set. I thought that was the big turning point. As Rublev was making his push to get back in the match, and Djokovic, he was playing really, really well, Rublev was, and Djokovic was trying to fend that off and take a two sets to one lead, take a commanding lead, really, in the match. And Rublev had three break points in this game. I want to highlight how brilliant Novak was to save all three. Serve and volley on the first one, which took Rublev by surprise because Novak wasn't serving volleying all that much. He ended up with a very easy forehand volley that he put away. On the second break point, this was a great example of what I just talked about playing through the backhand as Novak was uh, really stretched out under pressure on his forehand in a position where most would go cross court. But Djokovic is, is quite excellent at pattern changing down the line, even when he's under pressure on, on his forehand wing or stretched out on his forehand wing or rushed on his forehand wing. Uh, and he takes the ball down the line. Rublev feels like he needs to do a lot of damage because he feels like he's in a good position uh, to, you know, in the point. And he ends up overplaying his backhand and hitting it long as he tries to inject 
really more pace into his backhand than he's really comfortable doing. So that time, Djokovic, I think, gets a huge reward for not going cross-court in Rublev's forehand. And then on the third break point, um, Djokovic finds, out of the backhand of backhand exchange, he finds the drop shot. Um, well, actually, it's not quite a backhand of backhand exchange. That's that's inaccurate, I believe. If I'm remembering this correctly and I'm reading my notes correctly, Djokovic is once again in a defensive position running to his forehand. And again, he finds a way to kind of avoid Rublev's forehand out of that position by going hard up the middle and kind of handcuffing Rublev, taking away the offense of that shot. And then Djokovic is able to step in with his backhand and play the backhand drop shot. And Rublev... Uh, he's not the best when it comes to drop shots. Now, he does do a good job on the forehand side sometimes by ripping the ball cross-court off the drop shot. He keeps his, his regular drive forehand grip, and he'll rip it cross-court. But if you've done your scouting, first of all, you know that's coming. And, and secondly, if you hit a good enough drop shot where it's really getting low on Andre, it, it's, it can be pretty tough for him to actually make the ball uh, successfully. And uh, in this case, he missed it. It got too low on him, and really, he needed a continental grip. But Rublev, he tries not to change to the continental grip when you drop shot to his forehand side. So that's how he saved the three uh, break points. I wanted to highlight that. Um, I should also say that there was a, a serving trend that certainly went with how the match went as uh, Rublev was uh, 15 percentage points better than Djokovic in the first set on first serves in. And uh, Novak really did struggle in the first set. Only 50% uh, of his first serves were uh, was he able to get in play. But he turned that around for the next three sets. In fact, he beat Rublev in first serves in in all of the next three sets by 13 percentage points in the second, four percentage points in the third, and six percentage points in the fourth. And I thought the first serve percentage was part of particular importance for each man because, uh, one, Rublev had a good strategy on the second return. He moved back. He was taking big, aggressive cuts. And, of course, for Djokovic, he was able to... Uh, also play really well on the second return. Um, and, I mean, statistically, statistically, it was a blowout for Djokovic because uh, Rublev won 46% of his second serves. He always struggles against Novak in this category, even though I think his second serve is a little bit bigger. He still struggled in that category. And Djokovic made a, a splendid 65% of his second serve points won. Um, so... Even though I think Rublev was playing aggressively off the second return, you know, he, he still, I don't think he was managing to win baseline rallies well enough to really make headway in that stat. But overall for Rublev, I'll just assess him big picture. This was a, a much better performance from him if you compare what he's done, not just in the Novak head-to-head -head in the last two, but also in, in similar spots against top players in major quarterfinals. In fact, this was his his fifth, um, no, this was his sixth major quarterfinal against the top five player. And in his previous five, he had never won a set. 0 for 15. A couple against Medvedev, a couple against Djokovic, one against Tsitsipas on clay. I mean, it was basically a blowout every time. 
he did better to play really his best game in against Novak here. His strengths were his strengths in this one. His effort was very, very high. I think mentally his only fault was the start of the second set where he was very disappointing in the first game, uh, threw in two double faults, and you just have to deal with success better than that. You have to recognize the importance of the start of the second set after you win the first. Uh, but other than that, he was locked in. His effort level was high. His level was high. Uh, I did see some technical improvements, uh, particularly in his backhand slice. He is hitting that shot way, way, way better than what he was able to do in 2021 and 2020. Actually, I don't think he played much grass in 2020, so maybe I should amend that to 2019. But anyway, the slice is much better. It's still not great, but if he is in a position where he needs to use it, he is competent, and you couldn't say that before. Of course, you know, sometimes you wish Rublev in a matchup like this could defend a little bit better. Sometimes you wish that he could make his life easier and just come forward and finish points at net uh, instead of being so, I don't know, in, instead of being in a position where he has to hit three, four great shots in a row to hitch through Djokovic's defense. But that is just who Rublev is at a, as a player at this point. And it's unlikely that will ever change. But, you know, when he plays a guy like Novak, who just has everything and you ponder what's the difference here between these two players, those thoughts inevitably uh, trickle in. As for Djokovic, no strong words about the performance, honestly. Not great, not poor either, but certainly he was able to overcome what was a lot of tennis in three days, three days in a row coming out on court, and now he'll get two days off. So I think that's rather crucial. I also think he gets some much-needed baseline rhythm and uh, a perfect preparation for a matchup against Yannick Sinner because while I, I do think Sinner in a lot of ways is more dynamic, more athletic, more powerful off the backhand wing uh, compared to Andre Rublev, it is when you distill their play styles down. It is a very similar game. And for Djokovic to uh, kind of problem-solve and get through Rublev in this manner, I think is the ideal preparation for his semifinal. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.